Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. Hello, everybody. Uh, you have clicked over to part two of Private Parts with Kinder Crow. And enjoy the rest of the episode. Do you sort of really believe in, in that if you... You get on this road and you push through better things that come. Yeah, I think like we lived in a permanent sort of state of an attitude of like gratefulness through all of that, no matter how hard it was. My mom was always saying, uh, I remember like how much she would say it, like things could be worse. She would just always remind us. And she'd make stupid examples and I, I won't list the examples, but she would just list, she was like, things could be worse. We could be, and she would just make something up. And they would just make you laugh and be like, geez, yeah, like, thank God, like, that's, that's not the situation. And like, and, in, and then suddenly your life seems amazing. And, you know, so I think it's like, there's all different ways to see that. And I think just like your analogy of there's, when a door closes, there's always a window open. And like, I think that was our way of seeing that. My mom would just constantly remind us, like, there is always people going through worse, no matter like what it is. And, um, and that was definitely something that I kind of held on to like my whole life, no matter what. I just always thought of that, that like it could be worse. And mm. so take it as the glass half full, you know. Oh, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Honestly, it's, it's, it's just, I, it must be hard to talk about things like that. I can only imagine. But, you know, you you, you process it too. Because then what is, your mother's obviously a rock star because you <laughs> then get this scholarship to go to London, yeah. the Royal Academy of Music in London. That must be this moment which is like oh my god okay and you you leave Ireland you're heading to London nervous excited what are the feelings when something like that happens so actually the way that happened first is I went I left Ireland before that because I went to another music school before the academy I went to a boarding school called Wells Cathedral School which is in Somerset Mm -hmm. um so that was the first that was my first time getting out of Ireland I went there on a scholarship and that was to do A levels specializing in music um and performance and stuff and that was like being able to do that first of all was like incredible and I was all I wanted to do was to get out of Ireland for yeah. so long okay for, for all the reasons we spoke about right? exactly and I found it so I like I hated being in Ireland I hated living there I had such a bad relationship with Ireland in so many ways really? I had like I had good relationship as well yeah but there were so many things that all I wanted to do was leave and so many of our problems that we had whilst living there would have been solved if we could have just left, but we couldn't leave. My mom couldn't leave the country with me and my brother and all that. So it felt why, like... So why couldn't she leave? Because my dad wouldn't let us. He would have had to give permission for us to, to leave the country and stuff like that. So like, And he would not and never allow that. Um, so we couldn't leave the country, like move somewhere else, go to France, be with our family. 
So we were stuck there, like no matter until I would turn 18 one day or my brother or whatever. Um, so leaving was like this huge like relief. And even for my mom to see her kids go and just escape and go and be happy somewhere else. Um, and so I went, I went to boarding school and then from there I went on and I went to the Royal Academy, which was obviously like a dream come true, something that I, you know, wanted to achieve my whole life. Uh, and like moving to London alone was like crazy. And just like, I remember walking around London and being like, how am I in London? Like, this is insane. Um, but it was, Cause it that's was when all those emotions coming. You're like, oh my God, I'm here now. Yeah. It's crazy. It's such a crazy city to move to. And I, I do remember like how I felt walking around and stuff. But then it was like, I found it very hard then. Like I loved living here, but it was so different to, to like living in Ireland and to even Irish people, you know, um, because there's so much more like of an industry and like, it's like a place where like, like, not, like Ireland doesn't, especially back then, it didn't have like a music industry. It doesn't have anything like that. Like that. So making friends is so easy because you just go up to anyone who's a musician or whatever. And you're just like, hey, like you want to be mates? You want to play some songs? You want to do some gigs or form a band? And everyone's like, yeah, sure. You go up to a busker, it's the same thing. But in London, it was so different. You know, it was very like... Wait, so, so in London, so people are much more... Sad. I mean, that's the obvious yeah. thing to understand. So... Really? So it, it's basically London is a unfriendly city in a lot of ways. It was quite unfriendly. Yeah. And like, it's not necessarily like if you get to know people, then they can be very friendly and stuff, but it, it didn't feel very welcoming. It didn't feel very like, you know, collaborative, collaborative. No, like I was here for years and no one wanted to be, no one wanted to be friends. No one wanted to make music or hang out or, or just like, and I was so like, that's so weird. I thought I would move here, meet a bunch of songwriters and singers and we'd all kind of do our thing and be friends and like, yeah. you know, and it just was not like that, like at all. And I still probably don't really have any friends that are like close, close friends mm. that were through sort of the industry in that way, really. Um, that's that's strange because you would feel that people on the same pathway would connect, but actually maybe you're, it's seen as competition. I think that's probably maybe what it was, seen as competition, but... Um, I don't know what it is. I'd love to know, to be honest, but uh, it was just, I'd never experienced that in my life. And when I encountered it, I was like, what the hell? Like, what is this? This is so weird. Why don't people just want to play and just do yeah, what? Connect as humans yeah. and play music and have fun. That's all I understood. But then I started to think like, maybe it's because there's a music industry and it's like, everyone's on like a ladder at some sort of place. And if you're not in the same place, it's like, you're not welcome or uh, it's a social status thing. Maybe. Exactly, yeah. There was a whole other... And there's doesn't exist in Ireland. Like, it's not... And if you are of that status, you don't really usually tend to live in Ireland or, like, it's just not... There isn't really that kind of thing. So it was especially, like, go back, whatever, 10 years ago. So five years ago, it was like... So it's just really weird to sort of see that. It's a shock to the system, I imagine, because I, I, have, I have a few Irish friends, right? And... Um, and especially we have a, a one guy called Ryan who's also a performer, an amazing performer, he's amazing. And I used to go on holiday with my friend Georgie and Ryan used to come and all these things. And what we would do every evening, he would get around the piano and everyone would sing and instruments and everything would come out. And it was this hugely sort of like, um, like ensemble that we all became. It was amazing. Yeah. And I see it with, you know, my friend's wife is Irish and I see it's always family. Yeah. Everyone was always there. It doesn't matter if your brother, or their third cousin was staying in the house at like one yeah. time. Yeah. Like that is, I, I, it's not so much a uh, English thing. Yeah. I remember moving. It's strange, right? For when I went to boarding school, I remember 
uh, going to a house party. I was in a music boarding school, right? <laughs> Everyone were like specialists, like elite <laughs> classical music players who also played all kinds of stuff. I went to a first big house party and like, I was like, oh, should I bring my guitar? And everyone was like, why would you bring your guitar to a house party, you loser? And I was just like, because obviously we're going to have a jam session. Like, I was so confused because yeah. every single party, night out, anything I'd ever had my whole life would end up in a friend's house. We'd all whip out like guitars, instruments, cajones, even people who weren't musicians, they'd be singing a song. You pass the guitar to your maid who's like, you know, I even think about, like, about it now, like my best friend who's like, does all my content, videography and stuff. Like when we have a, a session, everyone passes Nate in the guitar and he sings like one of his favorite songs and it like, everyone tears up and it's like beautiful and like everyone's like what the hell like he can sing and it's like yeah and also can pretty much like everybody else in Ireland like everyone just whips out a song everyone sings yeah. together people are doing harmonies so like when I moved to a music school I was like yeah we're gonna have a, a jam session in the house and everyone's just like not at all like that's an, and I was what? like that's, what? that's that's weird to me as well yeah it's amazing I have a I have a friend of mine who um he he was married to an Irish girl, and he said it was so funny. He had he, they had their wedding, and it was amazing. Anyway, they went home after the wedding, and he got back, and he was so tired. Anyway, he shut the door, and there was the ring of the door. He looked out. He was like, "Who is it?" And it was the whole thing, whole guest, and they had brought basically a whole band. Yeah. It was like a trombone, and like, and and, and, they'd all, and and they just that's what it was, and they were yeah. just singing together yeah. and having a great. That's the but that's what life should be like. Yeah, it is what life should be like, and it's, it's strange be. that. It, Basically what it is, is that we've suddenly got this sort of status awkwardness yeah. that we are socially awkward. We, we, we so desperate to fit in yeah. that we then don't do what we love to do because that's not cool. Yeah. It's, Why would you bring a guitar? Yeah. We're not going to do that. Are you kidding me? Yeah. It's so sad because it's so fun and beautiful. And that's all, that's like, those are the moments that are important those are the moments that actually you remember and that matter. And like, it's not the, even the successes and the achievements, like it's the moments you have within that journey, like jam sessions and little spontaneous, like it's those things. And life is all supposed to be about that. And it's supposed to be connecting and, and collaborating and just like humans, just like connecting on, on whatever level. And like music is like one of the best ways to do that and so yeah I wish just the world was more like that and like more places had that sort of environment and like but it's I don't know it's yeah it, there's definitely like a change that needs to happen I suppose. It's it's funny though because from your experience of doing all of those you know singing and bringing a guitar to after parties and playing music that probably gives you the confidence to do what you do is when you make these amazing videos yeah. that you just sing in public. Yeah. And explain that. So, well, because you, I know, I, you know, you've done all these videos now on social media and they have gone absolutely viral mm. to the point where you've appeared on The Late Late Show. Uh, you've done, you'd, I'd see you did something with Good Morning America, which yeah. was insane. Yeah, so wh where did this idea come from to basically busk in the street and create magic for these people around you? So I think it stems because when I was a kid or a teenager or whatever, like me and my friends, we just wanted to, pull pranks and do stupid YouTube videos and like, do you remember the Janoskians? Do you remember those yeah, guys? Yeah, I do. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, like sort of like Impractical Jokers, stuff like that, yeah. you know. Um, and it was like uh, just all these, like there was like YouTube groups where they were just a bunch of friends and they would just make videos of doing the craziest stupid public pranks. And I always loved that. And me and my friends would do it. 
for no reason. We wouldn't even film it. We would just like test each other and be like, I dare you to go into that shop and try to do this or whatever. Or like, let's like go into uh, McDonald's and let's do a full wrap for our order. You know, we're just going to wrap the order. And like, we wouldn't even film it. You know, we would just like do these things because it was funny and we thought it was like fun. Um, and so I always had like an addiction to that. And I loved like sort of these just pranks, these like public prank ideas because it's just funny to see people's reactions. Um, and then I, I wrote the song called I'll Be Waiting and it had come out. Yeah. And I had had a successful song called Offer You before that. And then this is the next song. And I was like, well, there's no way it's going to be as successful as Offer You um, because Offer You was about 10, 100 times as successful as anything I had before. Um, and, uh, you know, you're just thinking of ways to promote. And we were basically doing this like a live choir version of the song uh, like a full-scale version, like professionally filmed or recorded for YouTube as like a, you know, Keen to Crow, I'll be waiting live with choir yeah. at yeah, yeah, some yeah. place. Um, and we went to Manchester to do it because that's where the location was in this abandoned swimming pool. And I was on the phone to my best friend, Nathan, who I do all the content with, who would have been one of my best friends from back in the day when we would do these stupid videos. And I don't know whether it was because I was on the phone to him or something in the back of my mind, but like, I was just, he was like, yeah, so we're going up and we've got the rehearsals of the choir and then we're going to film the the YouTube thing and whatever. Um, and and then I was like, wait, so like we fully have like a whole choir like the day before. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, I wonder could we like, after we've rehearsed the song, could we just like go to like some public random places? And like my idea was like, I'm going to, I'm just going to start singing and everyone would think I'm like really weird and be like, why is that guy? What a loser. Like, stop singing. You know, like, what are you doing? And then these people who are dressed as like normal people would somehow like filter in and then just start singing as like a choir. And everyone would be like, what the hell? Like, I'm really not expected. And then we were just like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Um, and then I kind of, I kind of like forgot a little bit that we were doing it. And then we went and then it was like, oh yeah, we were doing that, that like public prank thing. Okay, let's go out. And we just spent a whole like evening kind of just running around Manchester with this choir that I had just met and started so working good. with. And we just like filmed some of these pranks. And I remember we looked at the footage and like, we were like, yeah, maybe one of them is usable. Like, I love you running was, around with a choir. Yeah, just <laughs> running around with a choir. And we had all these crazy moments. Like we walked past a guy who was busking, singing one of my songs. And we were just like, I, first of all, I was like, that's, he was singing I'll Be Waiting, which wasn't even known at that point, but he probably found it because he knew my other song, which had become known. Just so randomly he, you walk past him. Yeah, we randomly walk past him and like anyone in their sane mind would have seen me and would have sang my famous song. But this kid somehow sang my new song. I guess he was a fan, so he knew the new song, which was I'll Be Waiting, yeah. which I was just out doing these videos for. And he didn't know that I was with a choir. So in my mind, I'm turning around, I'm like, oh my God. And like my friend instantly turns as he's filming on his phone, Nathan starts filming. And like, I'm thinking to myself, like, I'm not even like, let alone that someone's singing my song in the middle of the street. But what shocked me wasn't even that. I was like, this guy doesn't know that first of all, I'm going to come over and join him, but that all of these people around are a choir that are going to start singing. And so I was like, oh my God, I get to the surprise this guy with a choir. And so like all this crazy stuff happened in this day. So and much excitement within that. Yeah. As you're going to do it, like, oh my God, this is going to be great. And it was, I think like five, maybe six videos we got out of that day. And all those, I think they... Probably, what views did they hit on, on social media? I think they, I think probably three or four of them, like a hundred million views each on just like TikTok alone. Um, and then that is 
wild amount. Yeah, and then the rest of them. So I think it, I think neared a billion from one day of just filming these videos with a choir. And then we did loads more different locations around the world. Um, but it was just like, who would have thought, you know, like just some hilarious pop-up billion, choir video. Billion views. Yeah, it's crazy. It's insane. I remember we were just like, we posted the first video and we were like, oh my God. And it was just started like 20 million, 30 million, 50 million. And we were like, let's post it. Let's, let's try piece another one together. Posted it. It went even bigger. Another one, it went even bigger. And then eventually it was just like, just took over. What do you think the secret is to making a sort of viral video like that? Is there no secret sauce? There is. There's like the way that you edit it, obviously. Sure, I get that. Um, but element. So someone listening now, someone who wants to get into the music industry, right? And someone yeah. who is a, a like a hugely talented performer who's getting rejections and and isn't good. Because what I truly believe about social media is it gives you this platform yeah. to get your stuff out there, yeah. right? And so if you if you had to give someone advice on how to get their song out there on social media. Would you say creating a video which does something different like that? Yeah, doing something engaging, doing something. I think the reason, like, it's something engaging. There's obviously the whole, like, the first three seconds needs to be blah. Like, I don't follow any of those rules. We just try to make something that's engaging. And, but even that, we weren't thinking. I was just like, what's something that's fun? I, ac- I actually thought, I think the idea came because I thought to myself, what would I, what would stop me? Uh, if I was scrolling and I would be like, whoa, like what's happening here? Like, I'm going to watch this, you know, something outrageous. I was like a choir in a tiny cafe. That's pretty outrageous. I don't know. So it's like, that's what I thought. I was like, outrageous things stop me. Things that are like a bit like mad, a bit like public things. And, but I also, one thing that I struggled with before this, and I had, you know, a lot of songs, I was trying to figure out how to promote them. And I was successful enough on TikTok, but not with like promoting my own music and stuff. And I... I just couldn't figure it out. And the thing that I hated, and I still to this day hate, and I still do it sometimes, um, because sometimes it's nice and it's easier for people to digest it and whatever, is when you write a song that's so personal and means so much to you and has like so much depth, and then you have to just do the classic thing that everyone does, like, here's a, here's the biggest breakup song I ever wrote. And then they play it, or like, here's a song I wrote about like, send it to your ex. And I'm like, no, I can't tell you in five seconds before I press play what my song is about. And I found that so tough and like demoralizing and soul crushing. And I was like, how about what I do has nothing to do with the song? It's just a funny video of me singing with a choir, you know, like it was that kind of thing. And like, I think I was just so You're lucky. You're following logic. You're going against logic, which I think is a really great way to yeah. stand out from the crowd. It just detached like the meaning. I didn't have to do something about like, here's me telling you about the meaning of the song in 10 seconds and I'm playing it for you to try and engage you in the meaning. I'm just going to do something else that engages you to the song, like a beautiful choir or the way that we're performing or whatever. Um, but I think the biggest thing is like, and it's everyone says it and it's really hard to figure it out, but it's just try do something original. Try be yourself. Like do something that you want to do. And like, everyone's like, oh, like now everyone's like, oh, flash mobs. I didn't even think about it as a flash mob. Like I didn't really like, I wasn't, I was just thinking it was a prank. Now people are like, oh, you do these flash mobs. I'm like, yeah, I guess it's a flash mob. Um, and flash mobs are not, you know, I didn't come up with a new concept. I'm not like, oh, I'm so original. Like so people would be like, flash mobs aren't original. But like, I guess no one was doing them at that point anymore. Like it, no one was doing them on TikTok, mm. not in that way. And from the kind of point of view that I was doing them as like this kind of prank, I don't know. But it was like, and I, it was more that I was just trying to find something that I actually enjoyed doing. I didn't enjoy sitting in my car like everyone else being like, 
there's nothing against that. If that's how you like to play and sing and your type of way of, of, of connecting with your audience, but it, it didn't feel authentic to me. Mm. And when I had this idea of flash mob, I was like, that is authentic to me. Pulling a really stupid prank and embarrassing myself, making myself look stupid at the start of the video because I'm singing and everyone's like, what, who is this guy? Like, that's what I love. I like that kind of stuff. I like not taking it too seriously and just having a bit of a laugh. Because um, if we have to take it seriously, it's like, it's, it's much more deep. It's much more yeah. like... And then it becomes almost work rather than doing something that you love. Do you think with your album Victory that was number one in Ireland, number one in the UK, do you think that the success of social media helped that as well? Well, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have even made it. You don't an think album. it would have made anything? I, I wouldn't have even been in the position to make an album if I hadn't had that success from the help of social media. You have to have a certain following and people who will buy an album. And, you know, it's like you have, I had those two successful songs. And at that point, it's like, okay now you're going to, you can make an album like we want an album, like let's do this. And that's my dream is to make an album and let alone to have a number one album. So when you get a number one album yeah, and bring you back to that kid who's lying in bed having these dreams, how does it make you feel when you suddenly find out, shit, I'm number one? I don't even know. Like I was like shouting and crying and just like, it's unbelievable. It's like the most, it's like a feeling that like you, I couldn't, there was no, I didn't even know what to do. I was like, just, oh my God. And, and I think you'll understand this. There's not a lot of things that happen in your career that are huge goals that actually make you feel just like, like screaming, crying, insane. You know, like the goals that you think would make you feel that way. They don't. Like when I signed a record deal, it was the pandemic. And I was just like, I was like, the lead up to it, I was like, this is insane, but I was so afraid that it would slip away. But like the battle to be number one and the fact that I really didn't even, I didn't know up until the hour that the result came out. Like I didn't know. A lot of people find out before, yeah. but it was like so close and so hard and we pushed so much. And like, I'm so grateful to the fans that bought the album who like managed to somehow get us there. It was just like, we touched down on a plane at Boardmasters. We got a text from... Um, someone who works at the label that we're very close with and she was you know detrimental obviously to the whole thing and she sent a, a message saying do you want a text or a call and we were like this is not good news and I was like okay here we go and like even though my whole mindset was like I've got it I'm gonna yeah, be, yeah, I'm, yeah, number, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna be number one but like I didn't think I was really but I was trying <laughs> to like manifest it yeah. and she calls and she's bawling crying on the phone and I'm like oh no she's like crying because she doesn't want to deliver the bad news and it's it's my manager my best friend me and my girlfriend all sitting in a row and the flight just touches down in Boardmasters and then she's like we did it and we are just like what? <sighs> even like just remembering the moment like I was yeah. just in tears like I couldn't believe it like I just I couldn't I couldn't believe it I was like I can't believe I have a number one album in the UK and Ireland like it's insane like it was just insane and still when I think about it I'm like I, so insane. You deserve all the success, though. Thank you so much. You, 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 you do. You know, I, I, I heard you perform. You know, I heard you lucky enough to hear you perform live, and it's, it's. Thank you. It's unbelievable. Thank you very much. And the fact, having gone through what you have been through, you get out the other side, and then you're doing what you're doing now. It's a true story of success. Thank you. And and I only truly believe it's going to keep going up and up and up. So 
you know, so where are you heading to next? So you, you finished the recording today. Are you off then performing somewhere else soon as well? Um, are you saying after this right well, now? Well, not after this, but like, where are you, where are you performing next? Uh, my next performance is actually for the National Television Awards tomorrow. I'm there. Oh, sick. Well, I'll see you there. I'll I, be performing there, which I have rehearsals for after this. Um, I'm going to shout, yeah, can I? <laughs> That's amazing. Too. So yeah, it's, cool. it's just now, I, I feel like once the tumbleweed gets going, yeah, it doesn't seem to stop, right? I mean... That's what it looks like on the outside. Yeah. <laughs> but as you know yourself, it's like the tumbleweed doesn't go if you don't keep pushing it as well. You can, know? can I ask before you go, and again, I wanted this because I'm sure someone listening to you right now is a huge fan and they probably want to get into the industry as well and they want to, sorry. Is there, a, is there a method to writing a good song, a hit song? That's such a good question. Like it's really, really good question. Um, I think there's a there is a method to writing a pretty good song, like a, a like an 70, 80% or pretty good song. And I could probably write you 10, 20, 30, 100 in a row now without really having to try to write you one of those. But to write something that's like the hit, the one that like, that's, I think is just magic. Like that is there's probably, I mean, some people use method like Max Martin and all these people, but like, I think there is something special. It depends on the genre as well. Mm. But I think those, that is the hardest thing to do and writing that and doing something that sounds new, that's like maybe unique in its own way. And like, that can be very difficult to get right. And it can take a lot of time and, and there's something magical about it. And those moments, they just, I don't know, they just kind of come and you I have a whole, man, like, for me, it's all very much like, it's all in my head and I just have to like be really quiet and then I can hear it. That's kind of how I, I write. Um, or like, I like to improvise and stuff like that. Like, but to write like a, a, a decent good song. And that's the first thing you got to get to. You got to write every day until you get to the point that you could pick up a guitar and improvise a song that someone sitting in front of you would be like, that was good. And then you go, yeah, but it's not good enough. And they would probably be like, no, it is. That's why I'd listen to that song. And you'd be like, yeah, yeah, but you wouldn't really. Um, but it's like a convincing enough, like verse, pre-chorus, some good words, yeah. whatever. Get to that point and to that point that you like writing songs. And that's just practice. Learning is that every method. day? Every day doing every it? Every day. Multiple songs a day or one song a day or whatever. Just as much as you can. Figuring out who you are, what it is you like to write about, how you write, what you're good at, what type of writing you're good at. And then it's the like, okay, how do I write those special songs? How do you write like, but it's just like, it's like, you know, Chris Martin and Coldplay and he talks about yellow. It was just an accident. Yeah. And they were in like 15 minutes or something crazy. Yeah. Like he was that. just joking. He was like playing a chord and he was pretending to be like Neil Young or whatever. And he was like, look at the stars. And then he was like, uh, look at the shine for you and everything you do. And he was like, and then I wanted a word that was like, and it was all, and he didn't know what the word was going to be. And then he saw the yellow pages, like a book, you know? And he was like, it was all yellow. He was just taking the piss, like sitting outside the studio. They were working on a whole album and like he was just on a little break and that's when he wrote Yellow. So it's like, that's magic and that's accent. But obviously he had the skills yeah. for that magic to be able to happen. If he didn't know how to write songs, it wouldn't fall out of him like that. But because his guard was down, it was like, I, it, and a lot of the best songs are, are written like that in a sort of accidental 
just what other stories things. are there do you know any other ones that are accidental like that um isn't there like the the beatles uh paul mccartney woke up and he was singing um scrambled eggs everybody needs some scrambled eggs and he was just cooking breakfast and he was like and he went to the studio and he was like i swear this is a song because it's like he was like it's is it like a jazz standard because back then like jazz standard, all these jazz kind of things that everyone knows you know and he's like is it a jazz standard i heard and he played it for everyone the producer the guys in the studio the band and everyone was like no i don't know it i don't recognize it and like he just woke up and he was like scrambled eggs yesterday you know and then it just oh became oh my god yesterday and it's yeah there's a lot of songs max martin wrote uh hit me baby one more time he was in bed like i've had so many moments like this where i have to sneak out of the bed and like go to my voice and like <laughs> and like but he was like in bed and he had like a voice noter and he gets out and he had just had this man like hit me baby one more time it's kind of me and he was just kind of just vibing like one night and he was like okay i'll just, I'll just finish that maybe tomorrow what? or whatever that's you know insane so he didn't try to craft it it's just sometimes i think you're getting inspired by so many things going yeah. around and eventually a couple of things will like mesh together and like become one and it'll just become like a song in your head and you'll just like randomly one thing that happens to me so much which is really weird is i'll listen to a song for the first time yeah and when it gets to like the i love a good chorus you know when it gets to the chorus or the pre-chorus in my head before it happens i'll i'll hear this like melody that i love and it'd be like it could be like it happened to me with uh with uh, if you ever want to fall in love that was one of those moments i was like driving to the gym and i was listening uh just to like some i don't know what this random song is spotify was just playing and there was a song and then it just and it, and it just before the chorus started i paused so I wouldn't hear what the chorus of the song was. And I, in my head, heard, if you ever want to fall in love, if you ever want, whatever it was. And I just like voice noted it. And I was just like, and then I played the song and it was something completely different. And then I would have these moments so regularly would I be like, oh, I'm kind of, I was disappointed by what was in the song compared to what I like heard in my mind or what I wanted it to be. Yeah. And, uh, and then I started to be like, that's such a funny thing from now on. I'm going to like, try and like once i can feel like yeah, oh i've got something coming i'm gonna like pause it and like sing my own thing or like sing my own thing over it you know it's like an explosion yeah because it's all like getting just inspired and if you suddenly get a, a melody gets inspired like you just gotta record it you gotta lay it down oh, you know i freaking love this dude <laughs> this has been insane hey um Thanks, man. so you got ntas tomorrow i mean I, I just want everyone to go and check out all your music you can check it out on spotify on apple music and check it out everywhere check out your right. social media as well we're going to leave all the tags below dude i i just want to say a huge thank you i know you. how busy you are and to give us time has been amazing um i'm a huge supporter from the wings just watch it it's thank just you. insane what you're doing and just thank you for being open and honest today before you go i just i suppose a good thing maybe to say is that if you you know, I, I love this advice that you were saying earlier, which I've always lived by, which is where rather than going for fame, you go for the love of it. And it's the same, I think, with money. There's a great saying, which is business is paid in two currencies, cash and experience. Take the experience first, the cash will come later. Don't worry about the cash. If you have advice for someone out there, what would you give advice to someone listening? Well, I was actually just thinking about this while we were talking that for me, because of like touching on what we spoke about earlier and I'll try to be quick, but because of everything I've been through, the, you know, where I came from, the sort of childhood that I had, all these situations, the way that people treated me in school, I then sort of began to 
realize and like, you know, people are always like, I'm very sorry for what you've been through and all this. And I know that I went through that because it is who, what has made me who I am. And I knew that if I could turn it into something positive, like being an artist and writing songs and telling my story and telling those real stories about my life to help other people that are going through similar things now or have gone through similar things and didn't have the support system to help them. And I think it is so important to find your why, like why it is you want to do something. I I just like helping people with music. If I wanted to just put songs, if I, if I loved just writing songs, I would write them and I would keep them to myself and I wouldn't do anything with them. Yeah, I love performing as well. It makes me feel great and you get to connect with an audience. But most importantly, I like... I. The moments in my life where someone has come up to me or wrote, written me a message and been like, I'm going through what you went through right now. Or I went through the same thing and I'm still trying to like come out the other side. I'm still trying to like, you know, f- figure out how to do what I love. And so it's like, I want to help people who, first of all, feel like maybe it's it's basically like when you're in those situations, often you feel like you're you're worthless. You're, you know, your own parent doesn't love you. How can you go off and do something special with your life Well, you can, you can have those dreams. You can have any dream you want and you can achieve it. You can go out. And that's why I named the album victory because it's this idea of like, whatever you've come from, whoever you are, it doesn't matter what city you grew up in, how your family treated you, how people treat Like if you believe in yourself and there's something you want to do, you you have to chase it and you have to do the thing you love because that's what life is about. And you don't have, it's not a given. You don't have tomorrow. You don't have forever. You know, it's not a million lives as far as we know it. You have this one life right now. And it is so important to just do something you love and try to be happy, especially when you're coming from situations like where I came from and stuff. And I just want to inspire those people also just to, to, to sort of know that like they're not alone. And if they have these goals and if they feel sometimes, you know, like they're, they're not good enough or whatever, that's not true. You know, you are everyone's good enough you can you can do anything you want and there's nothing special more special about the next person or the other it's just about believing in yourself and like trying to achieve those things and for me that's that is what I hope my music transmit I hope it just inspires people makes people feel heard less alone and maybe encourages them to to be themselves do what they love and and you know to not let their like past like define them in a negative way that's well said kid honestly dude I really appreciate it man thank Thank you. you so much listen everybody we'll see you next week goodbye dude that was amazing head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.